In today's episode, we're talking about selling the experience and not just transactions. From Engagement, I'm David Millay, and this is Flip the Switch. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Flip the Switch, where we sit down with leaders in customer experience and employee experience, and we try to figure out what are the trends that they're paying attention to? What are the experiments that they're running? What are the principles that they've used throughout their career to gain great success? Now, today's guest, we have the president and owner of Sold Out Seating, a ticket sales training and consulting group. Uh, and her name is Kathy Burroughs, and she is fantastic. And she fits right with everything that we talk about because part of where her training success comes from is helping organizations realize that their ticket reps should be talking about selling the experience and not focusing on price or features or any of the other things that make a sale transactional. She's really focused on helping organizations develop their sales teams to focus on the experience and relationships, which again, fits right into everything we're talking about, about customer experience on a regular basis. Now, I really enjoyed this episode with Kathy. One, because she's got a ton of experience. She's been in the sports space for over 30 years, uh, started with the Cleveland Indians uh, and has developed a, a really successful practice now uh, helping other teams adapt and apply some of the lessons that her and her team have learned over the years. Um, but one of the things that I thought was really interesting is we got really into the nitty gritty on process, specific questions, uh, tactics, and strategies that you can use today with your team to be able to ultimately equip your team to go out and sell experiences, which is what we're big proponents of here. So without further ado, let's jump into this episode with Kathy Burroughs. Kathy, welcome to the show. Thank you. Happy to be here. I'm excited to jump in with you because this is a topic that we don't talk a ton about. While we talk a lot about customer experience and we talk a lot about customer journey, I can't remember the last time we really dove deep on selling, which is really specific to you and your company. Uh, and it's a, a lot of the issues that a lot of companies are facing right now, uh, especially with some of the larger trends in the industry where people are, are maybe watching from home. And, and we'll get into all that. Uh, but before we do, talk to us a little bit about sold out seating and how you came to be doing what you were doing, because the first phase of your career was not in sports. It was in nursing. Right. Talk to us a little bit right. about the formation of sold out seating. So I was, I was a nurse, you're right. Um, and I, you know, I was working at the hospital. I was very happy, but, um, then we decided to buy some, some hair care salons. So I transitioned as a, as a mother and we had some hair care salons and I started taking people to Cleveland Indians games as groups. So from the hair care salons, the staff to, um, people in the city, to the churches, I just started taking groups out. And they were starting a volunteer sales club at the time. And the vice president knew me and called and asked if I wanted to come aboard. And I was like, mm, no, I don't think so. And he said, well, you know, come on to the meeting. It's at a hotel. And I'm like, okay. He said, there'll be food and tasty beverages. And I said, got it. I'm in. So I went and um, they were describing what this would look like. So he came up to me and he said, what do you think? And I said, no, I don't think it's for me. And he said, yeah, I didn't think you could do it. Well, there's one thing that never works with Kathy and you don't tell her you, she can't do something because it's a, I will show you moment. So it's like, fine, you got me. So my very first sale was the old ballpark, um, Cleveland Stadium, and I sold out the bleachers. And so it's like, how hard is this? And then I waited for the next sale and I thought, oh my gosh, that was luck. This actually really is hard. So then I had to figure out what do I know and how can I incorporate it into what I'm doing? So I actually took my nursing background, um, which had a lot of care plans and care studies um, and, I, and strategy for patients, and I adapted it to, to selling. And I was leading their sales team, their existing sales team. I love it. And, and so out of that, I'm guessing that is where your, your big passion for selling and sports came from. Um, how did sold out seating come to be in formation? 
Um, I was working at the Cleveland Indians, and after a number of years, I was just getting calls from so many teams asking, how do you get groups of 2,000? How are you getting this? How are you getting chunks of season tickets? How are you doing this? So I thought, you know what, I'm going to go on the road, and I'm just going to work with teams to to build strategies and to, to explain how to do this. So I left on a Friday. On a Saturday, my, my one son thought up the name, sold out seating, SOS. On a on a mon- on a Sunday, um, I ordered business cards, and on a Monday, I ordered five hundred five by seven jigsaw puzzles, and um, that were blank. And I ironed. I downloaded every stadium and arena I could find, and I sat and ironed it on to every one of those five hundred puzzles. And I broke up the puzzle pieces, and I overnighted it to the vice president minus a piece. And then the next day, I overnighted the missing piece, and I said, "I'm your missing piece." So it got me a lot of offers to come out and work their marketing for them, which was not my goal, but it did get <laughs> my foot in the door. <laughs> but that, I mean, so that's I, what started. I, I think that is a great segue into what you do, and which is really creatively selling and, and selling and, based on experiences, not making things transactions, really kind of getting to the deeper emotions of people. Uh, inherently, that seems to be from that story, what you do. And if all of our sales reps did stuff like that, I know they'd be getting in the door left and right. Um, so maybe maybe let's start here before we get into that. I mean, what are some of the biggest lessons you feel like that you were able to apply from your nursing career into uh, your sports selling career? Because I think we're big on this show of taking insights and from other industries and extrapolating those and putting them into sports. Well, in nursing, it was a care plan. So you had to figure out you sat and discussed, here's the patient, here's the needs. How are you going to accommodate those needs? What's the best way you can do it? What's the most efficient way for success? And so that is exactly what I started doing on a smaller scale, which got bigger and bigger as I had my team there at the Indians. It was like, here's the situation. Here's how, um, here's how people are currently buying. It's like you have to have a GPS. If I, if I told you you're, you're in Cincinnati, if I told you to drive to, um, you know, East Oshkosh, would you know, without a GPS, would you know how to get there? Probably not. So if you don't have a GPS, I tell sales reps all the time, if you don't have a GPS, how do you know where you're going? Do you just pick up the phone and call? There should never be a cold call. There should be a warm call. You should prepare for the call. So if you prepare and you have ideas in mind and you have an idea where you want to go and you have a plan in place, it makes it much easier. And that's what I took from nursing over to strategy. And that's what I work with teams on, actually. Well, and it's it's interesting, too, I think, because that almost is somewhat in contrast or at odds with what I've heard you talk about as something that's a, kind of a big problem or in your mind of, of sales teams today, which is this making 100 calls a day metric that we measure people by. I think if you're really taking the approach that you just described of making sure that calls are warm calls, making sure you've got a plan, making sure you understand the outcomes and the objectives of where you want to take that specific fan customer call, it's going to be hard to make those 100 calls a day. You're really, if you're making 100 calls a day, it's a cold call. Um, So I've heard you talk about sales teams that mistakenly make that as their key metric. Maybe talk a little bit about why you are not a fan of that metric. And maybe what are some of the other metrics that sales teams should be focusing on instead of just activity goals? Well, this is one of the things that, that has bothered me for a long time, and that is, how are you managing? Are you managing by numbers or are you managing your people? So one thing we don't do enough of is we don't coach our leaders enough. So we promote someone and they just do what they've been told to do, and they repeat that over and over and over. So down the line, everybody's making 100 calls. If you sit down and ask them, you know, what, what are you talking about in your one-on-ones? It should be focused on development and how you're actually coaching them and developing. You're only as successful as a leader as your people are. So the focus should be on how can I get them better? A hundred calls is more of a true telemarketing mentality. You know, pick up phone, put it down, pick up phone, put it down. We may sell. And they may sell and say, hey, we sold great. But then renewal time comes and you don't renew. Your, your odds of renewing are pretty poor. And that's because you haven't onboarded these people. You haven't, you haven't made them part of the team, the, the customer. You've actually just sold and moved on. So um, the better measure is, to me, 
40 to 50 calls is fine. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, a, I'm very specific that you should have two power hours a day. I, I'm not negotiable on those. Two power hours a day and generally about 20 calls on each. And um, the goal is, what is your goal with your calls? The goal is to try and get somebody into your pipeline. It's not to close them on a, on a sale right away. I mean, you don't get married on a first date, I hope. So why would you try and close somebody on a first call? You don't know them that well. It should be, you know, I'm learning about you. I'm, I'm learning if we want to work together. So from there, um, you know, there's other metrics. And it, it's very good. I know Nick in El Paso, I work with El Paso. Nick Eckerson there um, really gets it. And he explains to his team, which is really important, there are different metrics. And we were just talking about this yesterday. Someone saying no, if that's in your pipeline that you've been talking to, and they say, no, I really don't want the product, that's a win. That shouldn't mm-hmm. be discouraged. That's a win because that, that clears somebody out of your pipeline for somebody that does want to be there. That's a win. So you can't be discouraged with those things. Um, and the goal for me is to have 25 to 45 people in your pipeline at all times so that you can close people. But it's more of a math game, um, truly math game, figuring out when it comes to calls, figuring out if this is my, um, this is my expected revenue. And we know three and a half times that needs to be in your pipeline. And we know because mm. 30% closes. Then, and if I make X number of calls to get somebody in my pipeline, if I'm every five calls, I get two people. And then I need, and my average revenue in my pipeline is about $5,000. Then what is the math? How many calls should I be making to get to that point? And suddenly, when you explain that, sometimes when you explain it to leaders, sometimes it's like an aha moment. It's like, well, yeah, maybe those hundred calls don't make sense. You can do e-blasts. Texting is important. Our one thing for sure, our leaders in business are now, it, it's shifted. It's now 35 to 48 age range. And they haven't used sports before. And so they're more apt to text us. They're more apt to work with us after hours. So all these calls, just for the sake of making calls, probably won't get us where we're going. And it, uh, certainly I- not for retention. I get that. It almost feels like this hundred calls a day is a lazy way of doing the math to say, because yep. uh, again, I think to your point, right, when you actually start to break it down, you said it's a math game, it's a numbers game, but a hundred calls is a super arbitrary bloated number that's not respective to the business's actual reality. Uh, and so all it does is just take a little bit of time, go through the, re- hit, hit the rewind button if you're listening to this. Yep. Do some of the math that Kathy just spelled out, and it can give you a more realistic idea of what type of activity your reps should be putting in. Um, something you said early on as you were just answering that question that I want to hit on is you said that we don't coach our leaders enough. And this is something that we do a lot of work on and engagement of thinking about culture. And we totally agree that your people ultimately drive your business. So you should be spending time investing in those people. When it comes to the sales team, what are some of the maybe undermanaged or overlooked skills that we're not coaching on that leaders should be coaching on more from a sales perspective? Um, first of all, we don't teach them how to do one-on-ones. Um, mm. They they go in and they do it the way their boss did it, which is generally, what have you got to close? How many calls are you making? What's in your pipeline? You didn't hit your goal. You did hit your goal. That's about it. And people leave with, I mean, at that point, you go in making up stuff just to keep them happy, right? So you're not really getting anything. And I did a lot of research during the pandemic. Um, did a lot of surveys with sales reps, with businesses, with in, in all different, with season ticket holders, all kinds of different industries to get a feel for where we are now coming out of it. And we're back in it. And I found that um, many of them felt that, um, many of the reps felt that they were coached enough and they don't get coached by their leaders. So they, they leave a, a one-on-one just as confused as when they went in. Just go back and do make your 100 calls. So I work with leaders a lot on what is, what is a one-on-one? What should it include? What can you give them that's measurable to work on to grow? Um, at the end of the day, if you focus on how to help them hit their goals, you're going to look like a hero. Um, also, I also work with them a lot on how they're building culture. So what are they doing within there? Um, you know, you have some leaders that love the title and, and get carried away with the title. 
the end of the day, the titles are a dime a dozen. I mean, you know, anybody can put up a shingle, but it's, especially for us, we do a lot of work in college athletics. And I mean, I look at some of these titles, I'm like, you got seven guys with the same title. Like it totally yeah. defeats the point of it. Uh, exactly. But keep going. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, that's okay. So it's, it's like, you know, what are you doing as a leader? So I, you know, I, I work with leaders very closely, especially young leaders. I actually, a lot of times I will have them, this sounds very strange. I will have them write their work obituary. What would their staff say about them if they were writing their work obituary? And sometimes they're, they're brutally honest and it's a self look at, I, I'm not the best leader and this is what I'm doing. And it's, and then I work with them. Okay. Let's fix that. You know, so that your work ob obituary is glowing, you know, how much they loved you and they miss you instead of, God, I'm glad he's gone, you know. <laughs> so it's, it's a case of um, really working with them in that self-look on being the leader they hope to be um, versus being the leader they've been primed to be because that's the way everybody else has done it. I love the concept of uh, a work obituary because I think it, it encapsulates something that's, it, it makes the concept of legacy a little bit easier to grasp, uh, a little bit easier to codify, because I think sometimes when leaders start thinking about what is their legacy, they can kind of get overwhelmed and easy to say, oh, well, that's further down the road. But if you think about it as the exercise of a, a work obituary, I think that's a little bit more tangible uh, to wrap your head around. Um, something, I, I don't know if you're willing to do this for us, but but maybe I think this would help because I think this concept of leader one-on-ones, spending time coaching your the individuals that work for you Again, applies broader than just sales, but in your mind, how do you structure an ideal one-on-one? -on -one? Give me like the actual tactics of what does that one-on-one -on -one look like? How long is it? What are the questions you're asking? How, how is that structured? It should be anywhere from, I, I like 45 minutes. I think that's a good number. <laughs> it's just that because I usually get done then, but um, 45 minutes is generally good. It's a case of, yes, they can bring their pipeline. They can bring whatever you want. At the end of the day, you should know your staff well enough. For, uh, for one thing, you should never be sitting in an office away from your staff. A leader needs to be with their team. And we, we all want that office. That's a mental thing with everybody. I finally get an office. But once you're removed from them, you're already of less value to them. So you need to be within their area because you need to hear what's going on. You need to really know each rep really well so that when I'm working with you or, or when you're working with them, the one-on-one -on -one should look something like, here's what you're doing really well the past two weeks I've noticed. Here's where I think we can help you grow. Now, maybe you're, you're, I've noticed in your closing, you know, you're not making a strong ask or when you make an ask, you start talking right afterwards. That's the kiss of death because you just talked mm -hmm. yourself right out of the sale. You gave them an hour. So we're going to learn for you. We're going to help you learn to be quiet after the ask. And we're going to see if your rate of closing comes up. So that for one thing, like for the next two weeks, every time you make that ask, put the mute button on and then wait until they say something before you release it. That's going to get you in the habit of learning to be quiet after an ask. Um, maybe another, you know, mother area that they, they need to focus on is um, um, how they're prospecting. Okay, so you're really struggling with your prospecting. So here's what we're going to do. Let's look at, tell me now how you've been prospecting. Okay, how is this working out for you? How are you finding, you know, are they, are they responding to you when you call? Is it the category? Is it the questions? Let's figure out how to prospect better. So yeah. then you give them, the key is to give them something tangible to work on for the next two weeks that's measurable, that they can come back, that they're actually measuring. Um, I just had one the other day. It's like, I want you to write down five different ways to make a soft ask and five different ways to make a hard ask. In the next two weeks, start using those. Then let's talk about which of those is working best for you and, and how, how you can start incorporating it more often into your conversations. So it's helping them, which is the whole point of being a leader, is helping coach right. them to be better. I mean, I'm still learning. So if I'm still learning, they're not that smart yet that they know it all. So, um, you know, we need to be coaching them. So if, if we're doing our job, we are actually giving them something measurable. They can come back and they say, these three things are really working. These two didn't work for me. Okay, let's start incorporating that more. Now, for the next two weeks, what, what are you going to work on? So it's really knowing your people and each individual and how you can help them grow.
I, I love it. And again, I think all the concepts, the core principles of what you're talking about is so applicable, even outside of sales, whether you're a marketing mm -hmm. team or on the operation side of things, uh, on the, the, the actual player personnel kind of side of things, all of these things are really applicable to those sides of the house as well. Um, I want to kind of dive a, a little bit more specific on the sales side of things like, uh, and stick with that. Um, not every organization has an outbound sales team that is actively selling, right? We see this, especially with some of our, our smaller clients, if you will. Um, some of them are really just kind of inbound or customer service focused, and they rely on online sales and, and they kind of take what's coming in. They haven't dedicated the resources to create a dedicated sales team. So how do you help embrace a reactive team that's there to resolve issues and be there from a customer service mindset and an inbound mindset, how do you help that team embrace a, a selling mindset, if you will? Um, first of all, a lot of teams put together a service side that was supposed to be service, but actually is just another sales team because they have a sales goal. They have to sell so much. And I'm like, just call them salespeople. Don't call them <laughs> service. You know, I mean, if, if you're going to, if you're going to onboard somebody, then truly onboard them and make them a, a true part of the team so that you can retain them versus just trying to sell to them again. However, when you have teams that, that really don't have true sales staff, have more inbound only or in servicing kind of combination, it's a case of how can we sharpen our skill set to actually increase revenue on that inbound? And especially on online sales, we know right now, especially since the pandemic, I mean, we became, I, I became the queen of online shopping. I mean, I never shopped online before, but yep. gosh, now I'm like, why would I go to a store? So I became the queen of online shopping. But when you online shop, you, and, and if you go into the entertainment industry, for instance, and you buy a, a ticket to a concert, right? You never get away with a ticket to a concert because they just have so many other things that they're asking you about. Why aren't we doing that? Why do we just simply sell a ticket to our game? So I look at it as why aren't we creating the experience around it? So for instance, I may want, whether I call in or whether I go online, I may want tickets to the upcoming game. Okay. It's not a question of <clears throat> where do you want to sit? It's a question of tell me about the experience you want to have. Do you want an experience where you're really into the game? Do you want the experience of a soccer? You really want to be there for that goal? Um, do you want to be there to try and catch, you know, home run balls in the outfield? Tell me about the experience you're looking for. That's going to help me help you choose where you're going to sit, first of all, rather than just selling arbitrary tickets. Second of all, do you want parking with that? Do you want to make it, I'd like to make it easier for you. Would you like parking with that if you have parking available? Do you have, um, do you want an um, do you want to prepay for food? We can, we can load your, your ticket and you can prepay for food. You don't have to take your wallet out again. By the way, um, we have an experience baseball. Um, you can steal second base, um, when they're changing, when the grounds crew comes out and you literally run around you pick up, you know, second base, your hero, um, you turn it in cause you have, they have to keep theirs and they give you a replica base that's autographed. Would you like to, we have a cool experience available on that game day. And, and you pick an experience that you have, would you, would you like it? You know, $150, you can steal, second make. All these things we could be upselling as part of the experience. Um, sometimes if a game is really busy, do you have a dedicated concession stand for people that um, mm. are a fast pass? So, you know, $25 extra, you can use fast pass. We can get you in, in a separate line. You can get concessions at a separate line. It's a fast pass ticket. Um, these are things that we could offer that would en enhance the experience for what people are looking for and what's important to them. Because what's important, right. we, we sell experiences, right? And everybody says, well, we sell the experience. So I say to them, what's the experience? Well, it's the game and all the camaraderie and like, but what's an experience to me is different to you, to your neighbor, to somebody else. Everybody has a different feeling they want through the experience. If we ask enough questions, we will figure out what they want and we can accommodate those in most instances. I, I want to jump into this and I'll, I'll kind of close off this section around the, the inbound customer service focused team. And I, I think to your point on on that is 
if we ask enough questions when they're calling in to complain, I, I think calling in to complain or a, a service focused team. I mean, yeah, it's, it's a great insight. I love it, complaints. Yeah. It, it tells you what they care about, right? Yep. That lets yep. you say, hey, here's the offering that we have that can alleviate said pain. Um, and and it, it just, it, it almost, it quite, pre, it quite literally tells you, here's what they care about. Let's, let's give them something to purchase that'll alleviate that pain. That's my, my th- thought on it. Yep. Um, and I, I love complaints because that's, then you know they care. But it's your chance to to look like a hero also. For sure. Well, let's talk about these specific experiences that you're talking about and selling experiences that are more unique to the individual. Um, Obviously, right now, when you think about going to a game, there are so many different types of offerings and experiences and goals and motivations of our customers. That's something we often talk a lot about with our clients. uh, And we talk about a lot on this show of what are understanding the different motivations and emotions of those customers. So when we think about the different customer segments, I mean, how do you think about selling differently, different experiences based on different segments? Well, that's something we have to consider. And that's something I've been working with my teams on is that you have what's important to Super Joe fan is not important to a business. And and what is important to a family is not important to a business or super fan. So you have to start segmenting and understanding what are we offering? Um, we, we sell season tickets, right? Everybody sells season tickets. And here's your benefits. And we get all excited. You know, here's your benefits. Um, during the pandemic, I did a lot of research with season ticket holders. And I said, I, I listed all sorts of benefits. And I'm like, what, is, what do you consider a benefit? And what do you consider expectation? I expect mm. this with my ticket. Mm. Everything we're giving them, they tend to expect. Because we've given them so much over the years, what is expected. So if you're going to do something different, it has to be known that this is a unique experience we're offering this year only, so that they know this isn't going to come with your package every year. But as we started talking and started looking, um, and I started working with my teams, what we found was, what are the experiences? What is the benef- What are the benefits? How can you structure a season package for a super fan? And how can you structure it for a business. What is important to a business right now? And so with, with talking to a lot of businesses during the pandemic and finding out how they want to be sold to, what they want in a package, we started comprising a lot of different, different packages that um, are unique to different segments. So the teams are excited. First of all, <clears throat> I strongly encourage leadership should never be making those decisions. They're generally farther, no offense, but you guys are farther removed from the issue than the sales reps are. They're in the trenches all the time. They hear it. They, they hear what people want. <clears throat> the best so, ideas so, come so from the ground of, up. So a board of directors <clears throat> definitely shouldn't be involved in this process, but go ahead. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and your sales team gets excited when their input is, is heard and used, and then you structure something around it. <clears throat> they will go through a brick wall to sell it because their name is on it. It matters to them. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, um, so looking at, you know, a business may want maybe four social media shout outs during the year. A business may want, can I e-blast to your database once during my, you know, my reign? Um, what does the business want as far as an experience? Do they want white glove treatment? What are they trying to, what are they trying to share with their customers? What is the message they want to leave with their customer that we give white glove treatment? We're here for you. We listen to you. We love to have fun with you. What is the message they want to give? This will help you decide where you're going to recommend you're going to, the offer you're going to give them. And then the package you put together for them. Most of my teams, we now put two or three options. People want to buy with options, by the way. They no longer want, here it is, take it or leave it. Mm-hmm. The, pa- the pandemic has taught us, online shopping has taught us, there are options. So if I see something I want, I'm going to go look. Can I get it cheaper? Is shipping included? Does this come with anything else? I'm going to look around. They want this, They want to be in control of their buying dollar. So you're going to give them, the best thing to do is give them two or three options. And then simply say, which of these options works best for you? And now let's talk about it. You know, what do you like most about it? What do you like least about it? How can we customize from there? Season ticket holders, the so, super fan, they want all those touch fields with the players. They want all the picnics. They want... You know, all the, all the tchotchkes you can give them, they will take. They a business want the access. Care less. Yeah. 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 
business could care less about that. They want the higher end experience. I think it's a really interesting exercise for everyone to do. And I love the way you articulated it of really sitting down and mapping out what are the benefits versus expectations of the different segments of fans that we have that we're selling to of the different customers. Um, how do you combat this? Because I know you get this argument from teams of, well, we've got staff limitations. Everything you're saying is nice, Kathy. I get it. But we, we just have staff limitations. And, you know, you know, this is the offering that we can give and we're just going to give it out to the masses. How do you combat that argument? Well, you know, this is Einstein's. Einstein must be turning over in his grave, just laughing because sports really, sports does follow what he says. You know, you keep doing the same things and expect different results. It's never going to happen. So you, you have to make the change, but it, you can change it because the off season should be your busiest time. The off season should be the time, the day the season ends, you can take a breather for a couple hours and then you get right into the next season. And that should be Two days of brainstorming, two days of solid brainstorming and planning. And what would a package look like? We're talking to these people. What would it look like this year? What would be different? How could we, how could we create a package for a family that makes sense? How could we create a package for businesses that makes sense? How could we create the package for super fan that makes sense? How will we fulfill it? Now we have, we can put dates in mind. We can already set all that up, which we should. I mean, when you think about it, how many teams in June will say, oh, gosh, we have to do a picnic yet for the, for the season ticket holders. We better figure out a date and what we're going to do. You know, it's like you, you need to be proactive and not, oh, gosh, we got to do this. That's, that's just such a poor mentality. It should be we're excited to do this for them, but let's plan it out ahead of time. So planning it out in the off season much earlier and having all that done takes the brunt of it off. If you do the hardest work in the off season, you will actually enjoy the season. Hard to imagine imagine that. Imagine yeah. that, that if you plan, you're not going to be scrambling around. And again, I think it's easier said than done for a lot of teams, but it's really important to sit down and have that strategies time where you can work on the business instead of just constantly working in the business. Um, some, something we talk a lot about. Go ahead, Kathy. I, we, don't, we don't strategize. That's, that came out of the pandemic big time. I had mm -hmm. calls. I had a call from a team, a team owner that said to me, you know, you came out to us in 2015 and I thought she's really good, but she really left a center. And I'm like, well, yeah, I am. But um, he said, I just wish I would have listened to your foresight better because he said we were so at a loss and it's like ugh, we should have listened because we would have been so much better prepared. And my point is with them that, you know, if you don't strategize and plan, you are really flying by the seat of your pants all year. And I would say the majority of our teams do. They really do. They fly I by the totally seat of their agree. pants and they're not, they're not strategizing and planning. If you were running a, well, it is a real business, but if you're in the, the business world, the business sector, and they have sales reps, they expect them to have a strategy in place and a plan for selling. When I work with my teams, they all have to do a sales strategy and they present it to the president because that's how important their job is. What is my plan for the year? How am I going to do it? How am I going to fulfill it? What are the categories I'm going after? How am I dividing my day? What am I going to do? Yeah, they're not just operating, flying by the seat of your pants. I mean, again, coming from my Disney background, and that was, we were super intentional on what it what it looked like. I mean, when I was on the sales side of things, I mean, we had to come with basically, hey, you own the business. What's your business plan for the year? What are your annual operating individual annual operating priorities? What are the things you're going to focus on? How are you going to attack it? Here's your goal. What's the approach to how you're going to get it? What does that look like on a quarterly, monthly, weekly basis, daily activities? I mean, you really had to be smart about this going into it. And there was a lot of strategy. So Oh. I tell the I tell the kids all all the sales reps all the time. You're running your own small business within a franchise, and so you know you need to turn the lights on. You need to make sure that there's customers coming in. You need to make sure there's heat. You need to have make sure there's a telephone. All these bills you have to pay. So how are mm -hmm. you running your and you'd like to eat, of course, and have a tasty beverage once in a while. So how are you going to run your business? You know, have a plan. Kathy, how do you, how do you think about one of the changes? I mean, obviously that I think we've seen during the pandemic. And the last really last couple of years is this rapid rate of digital transformation in customer experience and in, in business. And a lot of the tools now 
I think especially that we're seeing in customer experience revolve around AI, chatbots, some of those different integrations. So when you're thinking about selling, how, how do you approach kind of tools to support versus tools to replace? Um, what, what role do you see tech right now and playing in the future and current day uh, in our ability to sell more tickets? I think I have a lot of owners that don't want to embrace it because they're very traditional. But at the end of the day, we have to go where the people are. And we have to go with the way people are buying. And that is, technology is a crucial part of that. And so we have to be in tune with that all the time. What's going to work best for your area, for your people? Um, you know, whether it's a, analytics comes heavily into this. And I know people cringe when you hear analytics, but I, I actually love them because it helps me decide how can our people work smarter and not as hard? How can we keep them from making those dreaded 100 calls a day, but do things that, that have better results in a smarter way? And so technology can help us in so many different ways. Um, you know, people don't want to necessarily meet as much as they did anymore. So any way we can meet online, virtually meet is, is far better. People want, um, you know, texting, texting came out and I had owners tell me they're just going to be on their phone texting their friends. Okay. First of all, you have to trust your staff. And, you know, this tells me there's a breakdown in communication because <clears throat> to begin with, you don't trust your staff, but. You know, I go back to the business owners, 35 to 48, they're more apt to text and they're more apt to text between the hours of 5 and 7 p.m. <clears throat> so we need to be cognizant of that. And how can we help help them with that? How can we be there for them? How can we answer them rather than trying to call them and talk to them? Um, people want people want to be um, the analytics of, of just the people online. Can we segment all those people online that are looking at us? How do we segment them? How can we react to them differently? <clears throat> we do so many e-blasts in marketing that are just general e-blasts that are, that are just out there that don't pertain. And people, yeah, after a while, it becomes, you know, Charlie Blonde and Lucy, wah, 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 you know, nobody's mm -hmm. listening. Um, so how can we segment it so it makes sense? So what, what are the tech companies we're going to use that are going to help us with this segmentation and advise us as to here's the market. Here's what we're finding works best for this market. So how can we best contact them? How can we best reach out to them? And what message do we want to send them? Kathy, when you <clears throat> think about some of these technologies, I mean, obviously, we just covered a broad range of topics as to how technology might be able to help us on the selling <clears throat> side of things. What are some of the actual tools and company names of, of different tools that you've seen <clears throat> that you really like that you think can, can really help us ultimately sell more tickets? Um. HubSpot yeah, um, is, is one right CRM now that helps. <clears throat> yeah, yeah it, 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 it's very helpful. I don't think, I think that one for me is huge because most of our teams don't use CRM correctly. And most of the staff hate it because it's just another thing they have to input. <clears throat> but um, before I get into too much technology, I want to side sideline with that. Most of our staff doesn't realize the value because they don't understand the business. And so... If there is one thing a business can do that I feel is the best thing you can do to make your staff smarter is spend some time, spend a half a day and go over the business. Where were we five years ago? Mm. Where are we now? What has happened during that time? Where are we going in the next five years? What are our goals for the next five years? Hopefully they have them. And are there going to be changes in our arenas, changes in our ballpark? What are we working towards? Are we remodeling? What are we doing? What is your role in that? Where do you fit in with that? When they see that and they realize what their value is to the organization, not just I sell that dreaded ticket, which nobody mm -hmm. should be selling a dreaded ticket. Um, when they realize what their role is, it, it becomes suddenly everything they do becomes more important. Now, when I input into CRM, I have a reason for doing it because they're gating this information so that they can help me do this. You know, now I can, when I get calls in from this particular um, marketing tool that we sent out to a segmented group, now when I talk to them, I have a plan in mind because this was our thought process with this particular segment. It just makes us smarter all along. And totally. the technology makes us smarter. Yeah, and I think the thing with technology too on a lot of these sides of things, they've become so much more affordable. I mean, you mentioned HubSpot as a CRM tool. I mean, 
it, it's free up to a certain extent, right? And and obviously, if you're you're you've got a ton of reps and you're selling, it, it's there's going to be a price there. But I mean, we use HubSpot the free version on our team, and it's great. I mean, I can see who's opening emails, and it's all every conversation is logged. I can put it into pipelines, and I mean, again, the the way that technology has been democratized, it really makes everything a lot more affordable and makes everybody a lot more efficient and. I mean, that, that's one of the things that we actually were working on over the pandemic as well, is helping teams find and evaluate some of the best technologies that are out there for some of this stuff. Like I think about a live five when it comes to some of the chat bots and being able to sell right from the website, connecting it to reps. There's all kinds of different tools that are, are like that. Um, and Kathy, there's nothing what, wrong with that. And that I was just going to say, I think a lot of leaders have to understand it's, it's okay to do the chat box stuff. It's, it's very much okay. You know, there's a lot of people that are sitting at work that don't want to talk to you on a phone. They don't want their boss to know that they're working on getting tickets for a game or, you know, they're trying to put together a group or something. And so they're happy just just using some sort of version of um, chatting with you without them knowing. And we have to be open to that. And it's not a case of what are they doing? <laughs> it's a case of they're actually doing their job. Um, you know, we, we have the technology to support it. We should embrace it. I uh, want to switch gears a little bit. I, I'm curious to your thought on this, because I, I know in the college space, certainly there's a lot of conversation around this. How do you think about outsourced versus in, in-house teams uh, from the sales side of things? I'm well, going to leave that open-ended and you can answer that however the heck you want well, to answer it. Feel um, free to be like, well, no comment as well, because if you work with both. Well, I have opinions, but um, <laughs> let's, get, um, let's get into I, it. <laughs> Um, I look at it this way. First of all, many of our our college athletics departments have business um, business degrees, right? And you have a business degree. Not every college has sports management degree, but just about every college has some sort of business degree. Well, in a business degree, you generally take sales courses anyway, right? You're supposed to take sales courses. Sure. And at the end of the day, everyone sells. I never thought I sold until I started selling. And I realized, wait, I sold myself to get into nursing school. I had to right. sell myself to get scholarships. I have to sell myself in so many roles, so many ways every day. So you're always, you sell yourself to your friends when you want to do something. You're trying to sell them on your idea. So why aren't we utilizing these people as part of their curriculum to actually sell and to learn the process? It will help them in life, period just as a person to learn how to polish, how to make asks, how to, how to do it in a better way, how to position a thought process. Now, I think colleges really should be using their own people more. That's just my opinion. Um, and also, you know, as using a, a rep from, um, you know, somewhere else that's, that's outsourced or even if they come in or if they're outsourced to calling from a call center, at the end of the day, who knows your product best? People in your building. Um, at the end of the day, they know your product best. You have to have people that are passionate about it. Um, passion sells more than anything. You have to have people that are passionate about it. But you also have to have um, the ability to be able to customize, which you can't necessarily do when you're outsourced, to be able to customize. At the end of the day, what is the most important thing about selling? It's retaining. We don't just sell, we should be trying to retain because I don't know about you, but I sure don't want to go back and sell that same seat again next year. I, exactly. I would like to start start from a level and move up. So you need that. I personally feel you need that that body of people that are passionate, that are there, that can really make that buying experience so excellent. And they're there for them throughout the season so that they feel that they're taken care of and they want to come back. Versus I'm sold to and I move on to the next person. If if you were running, uh, we, we could go deep here, but I, I, let's touch on it. And, and I think we can move on to, to one of our, some of our final questions here. Um, but I think there is an interesting, because it when you're selling season tickets, right? Let's say it's even for college football, right? Let's, the primary thing that you're selling is football. Maybe it's basketball. Uh, but for a, if you're a single sport team, like a triple A minor league team or a, pro baseball team, pro basketball team, um, there's a seasonality to season ticket sales, right? And and so I think what you mentioned of using your student sellers or part-time sellers, 
there's advantages to that and that you can scale up and down based on the season. But there's some con to that as well of maybe your person as a season ticket holder, your rep is not available all the time. So how do you kind of balance that situation? It's, you know, uh, with some of the colleges I've, I've worked with in the past, what we have is a team atmosphere. So there's there's maybe 12 students selling, right, um, at any given different time because they come in at different times based on their schedule. So the we have we actually explain to the customer we have a student team that is selling so you're going to be in contact at any given time with any of us and we actually i have them send out the name here's the student's names this quarter or this this half the year that'll be selling these are the ones to reach out to so they, they already feel you know video video goes a long way first of all i'm a huge fan of video on sales so i encourage them to send out a fun little video mm. of you know Here's here we are. You know, this is our team this quarter, and this is who you're gonna be working with at any given time. If you need us, here we are. And they we make it fun, we make it lighthearted. But people read video. It's open 67% of the time. People read video, they look, they see it, they like it. And when it's lighthearted, they feel a oneness with us. So that kind of breaks the barrier there and makes them feel that oneness with us when the next quarter or next um segment comes up and you have a different group, you send out a little different video. Here's your students, you know, here's who you can be working with. We're happy to work with you. They feel they're in the loop then. The customer still feels I'm in the loop. They care enough about me to let me know who's it, who's available. You know, and I see them on the video. I, I have a face with it now. I feel more connected. That makes total sense. And on that note, second to last question here. Um, over the last couple of years during the pandemic, obviously the world has changed, but we're talking about putting video in. That That's a specific tactic, if you will, that we're seeing having a lot of success. What are some of the, maybe maybe pick one or two uh, strategy or tactics that sales teams have been using really effectively over the last two years? Uh, give us an example and then we'll get into our final question. I've had my team start using, um, instead of just, you know, we have suites to sell, we have hospitality sale, it's welcome to our house. So we, I, I tell them to pretend they're a realtor. So we're videoing the reps individually and they go out and, you know, welcome to our home, you know, here at such and such arena or such and such stadium. And let me let me show you some of what we have. And so they'll take them to a suite and they describe it in realtors terms, not, you know, here's a suite at fits X number of people. But look at our indoor outdoor seating, you know, with customable comfy chairs outside, you know, and here's our buffet table where you're going to have the scrumptious food laid out. And Oh, yeah, there's a TV so you can watch your favorite show just in case the game gets boring. You know, you just. You go around each area and um, we find that that, I mean, realtors adjusted during the pandemic in a heartbeat. Text here for information on a home right away. Um, why aren't we doing much of the same thing? So, you know, videoing like that has really helped sales tremendously. Um, you know, as you're talking about it here, I'm going to send you a little video to describe each of our locations. You can actually look at them now as I walk you around them. It's much different and people enjoy it much more and they're able to make a better decision. Um, on the flip side, it helps us that. with re retention also. Um, like one of my guys down in El Paso in the, in the, on the soccer team, I had mentioned during the winter, you know, big winter in El Paso, I know, but during the winter, <laughs> uh, let them know you're keeping their seat, your seat warm. So he, Jesus actually did a video of, Pressing the button on the coffee machine and the coffee coming out steaming hot and then putting it down on the seat with the wind blowing, putting it down by the seat in the stadium, putting a scarf on the seat and saying, hey, you know, winter's coming. I just want you to know I'm keeping your seat warm for you. What a great touch point, you know, to show the season ticket holder. I care about you. It's yeah. a video. It's fun and it's caring. I love those tactics. I, I think those are. Again, you're selling an experience and you're pull. What I really like about it is that you're pulling insights from another industry into sports, something that obviously people are very, very focused on metrics and goals there in the, in the real estate and realtor business. Uh, I love that we're pulling insights into that and infusing that into we're, the sports world. We're selling prime real estate. We should totally. We should act as if we are. Yeah, totally. I mean, I mean, and from a senior leader perspective, I mean, we're looking at it as from yield management, from that same type of thing. How do we get the most out of the assets that we have? So um, beautiful. Well, Kathy, any uh, final words of advice for our leaders that are listening to the show right now? I think more than anything is listen to your staff. Um, really mm -hmm. listen to your staff. Communication. I found, I did a, a survey with reps um, and I redid it as to why they're leaving the industry. 
And yes, during the pandemic, they did realize that, first of all, pay was so tremendously different <laughs> out of the industry that I just wrote an article on that. That was yeah. a huge difference. Yeah. But communication is a huge, huge sore spot for most reps. And that is they're told to do something, but they're never allowed to to share what they're hearing. And can we work on this together? So, you know, make yourself available. I mean, you should, whether you're a director, a vice president, a president, or an owner, um, these are the people that are part of your team. They're in the trenches. They hear it the most. You need to work more closely with them and make them part of the process. If you make them part of the process, you really will see your sales numbers come up because they're going to be much happier with what they're doing. Uh, amazing advice. I mean, we, we talk about that all the time, just from a culture perspective, right? Tapping in and really creating listening posts and understanding what your frontline people are saying, because again, they're the ones interacting with the fans. They know what's really going on. So Kathy, uh, where can people reach you if they want to ask questions about how they can make their sales teams better, or if they just want to follow along your journey, where can people reach you? Um, you can reach me at Kathy, K-A-T-H-Y, at soldoutseating.com. Or you can, my blog, I, I'm on LinkedIn, of course, and then my blog is soldoutseating.wordpress.com. And I generally put a lot on there weekly, so <laughs> you can you'll follow love, along. <laughs> you love to see a Twitter or anything else like that? Oh, yeah. I'm at, at B, the letter B for Burroughs, first pitch. Perfect. Kathy, thank you so much for coming on. It's been a pleasure, and I can't wait for our next conversation. Oh, thank you. I've enjoyed it immensely. To everyone listening. Hey, guys, before you head out, just wanted to say thank you so much for listening to the show. If you enjoyed it, head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. That helps more of your peers find the show as they search for ways to get better in their own roles. But this podcast is just a small part of what we do at Engagement. In our normal day in the office, we're crazy focused on helping athletic departments and sports and entertainment companies generate more revenue by becoming more customer-centric. To see how we might be able to help your organization, visit engagementpartners.com to learn more. Download a free guide, check out our blogs and case studies, or schedule a call with us if you want to see how we can help with your particular objectives. Our goal is to help you create deeper connections with fans and generate more revenue, so when you're with us, Hopefully you find a nugget or two that helps your cause.